Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today we're gonna to be talking about the Lori Vallow Daybell case, but specifically we're gonna do a little deep dive into her move to Rexburg with her family and some things surrounding it. And there's always something odd happening when it comes to her, isn't there? The more deeper you dig, the crazier it gets. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, be sure to click that subscribe button below and hit that notification bell because some people are finding that they're not getting notifications. Also, give it a like if you support it and share this video out where you can. With that being said, let's get into it. So let's start with Lori. At the end of August, Lori packs up her children and she moves to Rexburg. But a couple of days before that, she stops by and talks to her son Colby and tells him that she's moving, but she doesn't tell him that she's moving to Rexburg. In fact, Colby doesn't even find out that they moved to Idaho until months later, after the kids go missing. So I find it really interesting that she doesn't tell him where she's going, and she also lied to him when Charles died and said that he had a heart attack. So I'm betting that if she actually told Colby where she was going, he'd look at her like, what? Why are you going to Rexburg? Who's in Rexburg? What's in Rexburg? And what's the big deal? Why doesn't she tell him that she's going to Rexburg? Probably because he'd wondered what she's sniffing. So off to Rexburg, Idaho they go, and it's reported that Alex went with them. And her niece goes as well, but that isn't until later from my understanding. Now, Lori rents a townhome in Rexburg at 565 Pioneer Road, and she rents apartment number 175. And it's a three-bedroom home for $1,225 per month. And... A neighbor, whose name is Seth Bernard, did an interview and said he even helped her and the family move in. And he said that Lori, her children, her brother, and a friend had all driven up from Arizona. And Seth said that Lori told him that she moved there to attend college. Now, Seth also said that he met Lori's daughter, Tylee, once, but never saw her again. And he said that Lori's uh, son JJ often played with his children and Seth said which is the neighbor that he got to know Alex as well in the few weeks that he lived there and JJ had gotten really close to his own children and he says they played every day almost until he said he was moving to his grandmother's and JJ said that just a week after they moved in and he said to Seth's son that he and his sister would be leaving soon and this is what he said, and I'm quoting. They told my son that, oh yeah, we're going to go visit my grandmother. And so Seth says, well, we didn't know where that was, where he's going to visit. And he says, oh, okay. And he says he understood because school was about to start, that semester was about to start, and she was going to school from what I understood, is what Seth said. And he even says, the weird thing is there were no warning signs, no, hey, there's something going on here. There was nothing. They were very nice, very friendly. She baked us brownies one time. And in this article, it says the police started knocking on Seth's door, asking what he knew about JJ and Tylee's whereabouts. And the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, Seth said that he saw Lori and Alex packing up a silver truck, which we know is Alex's truck. He said he assumed they were going somewhere for the holidays since they seemed to be leaving most of their belongings, including JJ's toys. And then he said the following day, the FBI actually warned him that they would be searching 
Lori's home. And he says, they just asked us to leave. They called me and said, hey, we're going to be raiding their house here in 10 minutes. Would you get your family out because we don't want anything to happen? And then Lori and Alex were gone by the time the FBI came. And Seth said that the FBI searched Lori's home, Alex's home, and the home next to Lori's, which is Melanie's, as we know. She rented the one next door, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But Seth seemed to think that was Lori's sister, because he said Lori's sister moved in there, so that's why they raided her place, but it's actually the niece. And Lori also claimed that Tylee was taking classes at BYU, which wasn't true, and police verified that it wasn't true. And just remember this point about BYU because I'm going to bring it up in, an, in a minute. So now we get to Alex. Alex moves along with Lori to Rexburg. But in an article, it says that Alex stayed with Lori for a week before he rented his own apartment. So that would make it around September 7th then that he rents apartment 107. And Alex has been known to stay with Lori and Lori's been known to stay with Alex at his place. So they do that. But he rents an extra apartment, a three bedroom apartment. And I guess it's understandable that you do want your own apartment, you know, you want your own space. But I do find it interesting that it's the same complex. And if he's the only person living in it, I mean, three bedroom is a pretty big place, right? And a subscriber actually had sent me a listing of his apartment and it specifically went off the market on August 29th that it was rented. So it's only a day apart. Lori's was rented on the 28th. It was taken off the listing and his is on the 29th and he rented it for $1,200 per month. So I think it's safe to say that he rented it, that was the time he rented it, but he must have stayed with Lori for a week and then moved into his place. Interestingly though, that's the same weekend that Tylee was reported as last seen. After that, nobody's seen her. So I also wonder, what did he do for work when he was coming there? I mean, did he have a job? Why did he follow his sister to Rexburg, right? Also, the more I did some digging, it looks like it wasn't necessarily a planned move for him to be there. And the reason why I say that was because there's actually an eviction notice that happened on September 26th on his rental place in the Santan Valley in Arizona. And I don't know how it is in the United States, but if you get an eviction notice, usually it's because you haven't paid the rent and it's usually a while because, you know, landlords usually give a break. I don't know if it's pretty strict down there. But you gotta wonder how long hasn't he been paying his rent for, right? Also, when you're renting a new place, usually you have to fill out some references and reference checks, but looks like it wasn't that landlord, was it? So now we go on to Melanie. Now, Melanie also travels to Rexburg, and Melanie is Lori's niece and Alex's niece. And she messages her husband, Brandon, in mid-October her ex-husband, Brandon, in mid-October, telling him that she's planning on moving to Boise, Idaho. Another lie, Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. And in it, she says, I have made the decision to move to Boise. We will need to create a new schedule for the kids. She has four kids. We can pay to go to mediation again or save the money by coming to a mutual agreement. I'm fine with whatever you decide. The kids could remain with you in Arizona. You would have to arrange for daycare. 
And his response is, seriously? She says, yes. He says, why? How is that good for our kids? I don't understand. I will keep them in Arizona and figure it out. But why? These kids are going to need us both. They need things to stay the same and have structure. When are you moving? Is that it? No more information? This is pretty important. Can you give me more details? If you're planning on moving, you should have them, right? And she just says, I'm planning to go next week. He says, what day are you still planning on having the kids this week and weekend? And that was on the 15th of October. Now, Melanie rents right next door to Lori. Lori's in unit number 175 and Melanie rents number 174. And the listing is off the market as of October 25th, 2019. So this is 10 days after she texts Brandon and says, hey, I'm moving to Boise. Yeah, no, it's Rexburg. And she rents this place out for $1,100 a month. So, so weird, right? All of a sudden, everybody wants to go to Rexburg and in the same complex. And the question is, why? And at this point, after she rents this uh, October 25th, her cousins have been missing for a month at this point. What was she told about why they weren't there? Where did they go? Did she have questions? I mean, these are... These are valid points, right? And also just as a side note, little info snack, the same time that she's heading to Boise, Idaho, her divorce actually is finalized with Brandon and she was supposed to show up to court on the 22nd of October regarding custody, uh, regarding custody matters of the children and she didn't show up. So interesting though, the lease does say it's Melanie that's renting and for children that will be living there. Now on October 31st, Melanie reserves a U-Haul from Gilbert Self Storage in Arizona. And the rental application says that she's moving to BYU Idaho Student Housing in Rexburg, Idaho, and will drop off the U-Haul at Self Storage Plus in Rexburg. And that same day, Melanie and Alex fly from Idaho Falls to Mesa, Arizona, and that same night, there was a private investigator that was hired by Brandon Boudreaux and he was seeing Alex and Melanie load up the U-Haul outside of her home and getting rid of some things of the children's or her children's on the curb. And then by November 4th, Melanie and Alex go back to Rexburg. The next day, Chad and Lori get married and they're in Hawaii at this point. And then on November 19th, like I mentioned um, a week before the welfare check happened, that the neighbor Seth was asked some questions by the police. Now on November 26th was the welfare check. Now this is what's interesting. It said that the Rexburg police first talked to Alex and Chad outside of Lori's apartment, number 175. And Chad acted like he didn't even know Lori that well and stated that he didn't even know her phone number. And the document, the court document, actually says that Alex told the detectives that JJ was with his grandma, Kay Woodcock, in Louisiana, which was not likely to be true due to the fact that Kay was the individual who first called in a missing child report to the Gilbert PD. And Alex tells Rexburg police that Lori might be in apartment 107, which is actually Alex's. But when Rexburg police checks apartment 107, they find that the unit is empty and vacant. 
And then after talking to the Rexburg police, Chad actually tries to drive away, but a detective stops him. And then Chad then says the last time he saw JJ was in apartment 107 in October. And he also then admits, miraculously, that he knows Lori's phone number and then provides it to them. And what sparks my interest is how they keep talking about apartment 107. Like, I wonder if they said it that way too. I mean, obviously this is a court document that it came from, so they're referring to apartment 107, but I'm wondering if they're like, no, no, JJ was in 107 in October. And you wanna talk to Lori? Go to 107. If that's, you know, everybody tell them to go to 107 if anything goes down, right? Could be. I'd love to know that. And it would be weird though, it would be weird if they were calling it 107 because you'd think, oh no, Lori, she's at Alex's house, that's apartment 107. Or JJ, I saw him at his uncle's house, you know, in 107. So interesting, in my opinion, anyway. And so then you gotta wonder, why is Alex and Chad pointing to Lori being there and last, you know, that JJ was seen? Is it because something happened there? Is it because that's the clean place and not look at any of the other apartments? So I find that really, really strange. Almost like that's the diversion. Okay, that's a safe place, talk about 107. So did something actually happen there or is that the place to divert? And then that same day, the police actually find Lori in her own apartment and she tells them that JJ's with her friend Melanie Gibb in Gilbert, Arizona, but law enforcement can't reach her and Lori says, well, they're at Frozen 2, you know, so they're not going to answer. And I did mention this in quite a few videos. So Melanie ends up saying that, yeah, Chad and Lori actually called me two separate times to say, hey, tell them that JJ's with you. And she refused. Now on November 27th, they execute the search warrants in relation to the investigation into JJ's welfare and Rexburg PD were authorized to collect blood, fingerprints, hair, hygiene products, to collect DNA, uh, personal items such as toys, clothing and shoes, electronic devices, school records and documents related to the state assistance received on behalf of JJ as well as bank records which may be evidence of payments received on behalf of the child as well as payments or expenses made for the child. But that same day, Lori and Chad decided to scoot town and so did Alex. And they went and raided Lori's apartment, like I mentioned, Lori's niece Melanie and Lori's brother. The interesting thing though is in Alex's apartment, there was nothing in there at all except for a couple small items in the garbage is what the document reveals. And in Lori's apartment, they said that most of the clothing had been removed but some furniture remains. And that's where they found the pill bottle of JJ's in there. So on that day, Alex and Lori and Chad flee and I'm not sure if Melanie actually stayed behind or not, I'm not too sure. I been having troubles locating that information but we do know that Melanie and Alex did leave to Vegas because they were getting married to Ian Pulowski and Zulema Pastanes. So after that Alex did go back to Arizona and according to his Rexburg apartment it was back on the market on December 2nd so he didn't come back. So perhaps he did give these landlords a heads up because it was just days later that this was back on the market. And then December 12th, Alex dies back in Arizona. So in all of this, 
they all move to the same town and notably near Chad and they all get married in November and they live in the same townhouse complex. And one thing I was wondering is why is this all this mention of BYU, right? Because Lori was telling people that Tylee was going to BYU, but then we found out that was a lie. Then she told the neighbor Seth that Lori herself was going to BYU, from the sounds of it anyways, because when JJ told Seth's kid that they were going to go, him and his sister were going to go to his grandmother's soon, that Seth automatically said, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense because Lori's going to school and, you know, the semester's going to start. So I found that weird. But really, that makes no sense at all. Why are you going to put kids for two weeks into school or JJ in school for two weeks and then send them off to the grandmothers to a different school? It makes no sense. What's interesting, though, is that comment that JJ knew he was going to be going somewhere. Where? Like, he said grandmothers, but is it the other grandmothers? Is it Lori's mom? That is interesting to me. Especially because in my last video, I was talking about the iPad and how she was uh, logging into the iPad wondering who she's communicating with or whatever. It's back in Arizona. So I'm not sure if that's where Lori's mom lives. I think I heard that, but don't quote me on that because I'm not sure. Um, but I find this really interesting how JJ knew him and his sister were going to go somewhere. Why wouldn't JJ say to the, like if she's already missing at this point, why wouldn't she, why wouldn't JJ say, um, my sister already went? He said, oh, me and my sister are going to be going there soon. So that's interesting. That statement makes my hope meter go up a little bit. Now, Melanie mentioned BYU as well, that she was moving to uh, BYU student housing. So I wonder if Alex was actually mentioning at all BYU to anybody or on documents and that kind of thing. Because when I did a search on the townhomes, uh, this townhome complex, it did talk about marriage housing and student marriage housing. So I'd love to dive into that a little bit more, but I'm wondering if that's why they're throwing this word around so much. Maybe they got a deal on their housing or something. It's just weird. So the question is, what was their mission to accomplish in Rexburg? They all had to go together pretty much the same time. Was it for the death of Tammy and two missing children? And then Alex dies, although he did die in Arizona, like three down, four down, 47 to go, 46 to go. Like they move all together and then they get married all together, then what, right? So this is an absolutely crazy story. I can't tell you how many comments that people are saying like, Linda, this is so crazy. I don't understand it. What is going on? And it all centers around some crazy things. Number one, money. Number two, uh, retribution, right? She's vindictive. And number three, I mean, People are dying left, right, and center. And we hope that the children are still alive. This part, some of these little things does give me hope. But then again, let's go into another video where I dive into the zombies a little bit more. So let me know in the comments below what you think about this. Why did they move all together? What was their mission? What did they want to accomplish? I mean, did Melanie have a job when she was moving? Where's she getting her money from? And did Alex have a job or was Chad paying the bills? 
Chad has a hefty $430,000. Did he help everybody out? Did he pay to help everybody out? You know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of things, right? So, um, When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You got to think about these things, I guess. Everybody's probably wondering. But this is just what I see. So let's have a chit-chat below and we'll talk about it. And... I hope you enjoy this video. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Click the like button and click the share button. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.